Voices of the Temple, official podcast of the Temple of Witchcraft, exploring mystery and magic through love, will, and wisdom, hosted by Adam Sartwell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Voices of the Temple. Um, We are in our second year now, and I got the chance to um, interview Dorothy Morrison um, while we were at Convocation, and uh, I have that interview coming up for you. But before we get too far along, let's have our invocation so that we can all get into sacred space um, to listen together. I call to the Great Spirit. I call to the two who move as one through the three rays of love, will, and wisdom. I call upon the goddess, maiden, mother, crone, past, present, and future, creator, sustainer, and destroyer, weaver of the web. I call to the god, lord of light and lord of darkness, god of the green and the gold, god of the horn and the red, singer of the song. Be with us now and forever, so mote it be. As I said before, this year the podcast is moving out into the roots and branches of witchcraft itself. So we're going to interview some people outside of our own tradition and people within our tradition um, and sort of build that web like the goddess builds throughout space and time um, to you know bring those ideas and interesting things together. Um, during convocation, I got to do this interview with Dorothy, and I'm really kind of proud of it, and uh, it's my first breaking out of the mold of just doing the temple um, ministers, and now sort of introducing that there are so many different flavors of witchcraft out there in the world, and um, you can really learn from each of them. And... I chose Dorothy for Aquarius because she, um, (laughs) as you'll see in the interview, has been considered an outlaw witch um, since the beginning of her studies as a witch. Um, And she's also broken a lot of molds on the, with her, you know, groundbreaking book about curses. Um, She also is a humanitarian, but very humble about it, and really didn't want to um, talk about some of the things that she's done um, behind the scenes, because she feels that that should be kept private. It isn't one of those things that you should be looking for the photo op and, you know, promotion if you're doing that sort of work, which I thought was very honorable and very nice. Um, So I hope Without further ado, I hope you will enjoy this interview, and I'll just get right along into it. All right. Hi, listeners. I'm here with Dorothy Morrison. Say hi to our listeners. Hi, listeners. How are you? Glad to be here. (laughs) And uh, we've got Dorothy, and I've got some great questions for her. This is our first uh, Temple of Witchcraft podcast with a, you know, witchcraft celeb. (laughs) <laughs> Other than Christopher, but he doesn't count to me. So, <laughs> <Shame on you. laughs> um, so 
What brought you to witchcraft? You know, a tarot reader uh, brought, brought me to witchcraft. I, uh, I moved to Houston when I was 18. And I used to work downtown. And I would drive downtown every day, and I would pass this house that had this big sign that said, Tarot Readings. And I never had had a tarot reading. My mother had bought me a pack of cards the Christmas I was 18, and I never did use them. So, I kept thinking about going to get a tarot reading, and I wouldn't do it because, you know, I was a small town girl, and mm -hmm. this was the big city. And uh, I didn't know if that person was an axe murderer or not. Mm -hmm. So, I, uh, I, I debated for a month or two. And I finally called the phone number, and when she answered the phone, I hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me a while to, to, to finally make this appointment, but I did. And then I pulled up, and I sat outside, you know, by, by, by the curb, and I thought about, do I really want to do this? You know, what am I walking into? I finally get the gumption to get out of the car, walk up the walk, ring the doorbell, and this woman comes to the door, and she's dressed. This is in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, this is in the mid-70s. Yeah. And she's dressed like like I am. She's got on bell-bottom chains and a chambray shirt, and she's barefoot, and she's just a little older than I am. Mm -hmm. And so that put me at ease right, right away. And we became friends. And so she invites me to a party one night. And what I don't realize at the time is this is an after-coven meeting party. Oh. And I am the only person there who is not a witch. Ah. Uh -huh. And so I finally uh, realized that each and every person there is a witch. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about witchcraft other than what the Brothers Grimm have told me as a <laughs> yes. child. And so it occurs to me that I may be the evening sacrifice. Now, I'm Southern. Yeah. And my mother had always told me that if you stay poised and keep your cool, you can get out of any situation. And so I take a deep breath. And I slow my heart rate some, and I begin to inch toward the door. But people keep stopping me and talking to me. Mm -hmm. So I get uh, into this conversation with a couple. And believe it or not, I suddenly realized that they were peaceable people. Yeah. And so then I got interested and began to study. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, so do you use the title of witch, or do you go by another title? You know, I, I use witch. Um, I um, got to care. You know, I, I have to tell you, you folks listening, that Adam let me look at these questions, but I kind of skimmed them. So I may be jumping ahead, but that's okay if I am. All right, not yeah, jump ahead. Okay. Um, I, you know, most, a good number of Wiccans also use that term. And at one point I was Wiccan. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I am Wiccan or not anymore, but I am a witch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wicca is a religion. Witchcraft is an art. Hmm. Witchcraft is also a byproduct of, of, of Wicca, but you don't have to be Wiccan to, to practice magic. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just a witch and that's good enough for me. Hmm. All right. Uh, you wouldn't want to use, like, um, maybe Conjure Woman or something from Hoodoo? Y you know, probably not. Um, most most uh, Conjure people... Mm -hmm. um, are also spiritists, yeah. Which means that that means that they actually call the spirits. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I really think that conjure woman, root worker, uh, those those titles are um, 
I think they're they're worthy of those titles. I'm not sure that I am. You know, I, I really am just an old-fashioned witch who draws from this and draws from that, and whatever works for me works. Mm -hmm. And 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 really, that's that that's good enough for me. And I wouldn't want to insult any of the hoodoo folks by claiming their titles. Well, good. Um, now you're a third-degree Georgian witch. I'm saying that, yeah, right? high priestess. Yep. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Georgian tradition? Sure. Um, the Georgian tradition was founded in the, I believe, in the early seventies by uh, George Patterson, and so uh, George Georgian. That's mm -hmm. that, that's yeah. where that, that comes in. When we called him Pat. I never actually got to meet him. I. Uh, it was formed in Bakersfield, California. It was chartered there, mm -hmm. and I moved to California the year he died. And so um, I, I, I never actually got, got to meet him, but I think we would have liked each other. He was kind yeah. of a no-bullshit kind of guy. Um, it took me a long time to find the Georgian Path because back then, nobody outed themselves. Yeah. And I happened to be in nail tech school. And I knew, and I studied in Houston, mm -hmm. and so I knew that she was a witch. I knew it, this, this classmate of mine. Do you know it took us seven months of cat and mouse before she finally admitted it and, and decided that it was okay to take me to the other witches? <laughs> it was yeah. But as far as the Georgian tread goes, it is a um, it is a very eclectic Wiccan path. Mm -hmm. It has um, it's a combination of Alexandrian and Gardnerian. Mm -hmm. It has Celtic leanings. And, you know, one of the things that, that Patterson instilled in all of the students was that if it worked for you, use it. If not, throw it out. So, you very seldom now find any two Georgians that practice the same way or teach exactly the same things. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have sort of a, you know, each person crystallizes it in their own way. Yeah, and, you know, um, there are there is a sector of the Georgian trad, mm -hmm. who decided that, oh, everything should be traditional. But you know, there really is not, I don't find anything traditional about Georgianism, and it's part of the reason I love it. Um, however, they they stayed true to the few little things that Pat gave them. Mm -hmm. And, that's, and that's, that's fine too, you know, nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Yeah. Um, so I saw from your website that uh, you're studying the Raven Mist Circle tradition. Mm -hmm. What is that like? That's um, that's very different. <coughs> the Raven Mist um, Circle Trad was founded uh, by some people who left the Black Forest land oh. years ago, mm -hmm. and um, it is more. Uh, I can't even say it's eclectic. Um, it's it's traditional in its own way. The uh, lesson plans, each lesson mm -hmm. probably could be its own book. Wow. Which is which is very interesting because you get an awful lot of information. Yeah. At, you know, at, at, at one time, and it does take you a while to to get through lessons. And there are three degrees, like there are with the you know the Georgians. Mm-hmm. And and so. You know, I'm kind of the eternal student. I don't think that um, I will ever teach 
the Roman Miss tra tra tradition to anybody. But, you know, I don't teach the Georgian tradition to anybody anymore either because I'm on the road too much. Yeah. So, you know, but yes, it's, it's just very, very interesting. Hmm. And we, we've actually learned a lot from each other. You know, the founders and I are, are good friends. Yeah. And so we've kind of bounced things around and things that weren't in the lessons, you know, I talked to them about. And so, you know, it's, it's still fairly new, though. It's only like a few years old, so yeah, it's, it's fairly new. Hmm. So they haven't, uh, they've got a lot of information, but it's not uh, set in stone. No. Not yet. No. Uh, well, that's it, good. You know, it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've written a great book on curses and other things called Utterly Wicked. Uh, what brought you to the decision to write a book on curses? You know, I, I think people have the wrong idea about curses and hexes. For a very long time, uh, oh my goodness, you know, witchcraft had to be all white light and cotton candy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, love would solve every problem. And you know what? That's just bullshit. It won't. And besides that, all this white light stuff... Um, you can't have light without the darkness. Yeah. No, there has to be a balance. And I think that people forget that magical practitioners need to learn to walk between the worlds equally. Mm -hmm. So, one of the things, I have never, I don't think I was ever a traditional Wiccan. <laughs> I looked at things with a little different view. And um, it has, it never escaped me that I was part of that harm nun. But it seemed to escape everybody else. Yeah. And for a while, I wondered if I was nuts. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, oh, I can't walk on this blade of grass because it might kill it. Oh, you know, I can't, can't eat this, you know, this piece of meat because. Mm -hmm. Oh. And early on when I was a baby witch, I went to a Georgian event. It was our annual mountain meet. And it was held up in, in the mountains in, in California, gorgeous place. It was a camping type thing for a weekend. And there to form, the uh, townspeople had always been invited to come and sing with the, the witches on Saturday night because it was like a big bonfire thing. Everybody sat, you know, sat around a campfire and they sang songs and stuff. And mm -hmm. we felt like, you know, it was, it, was good, it was good politics. Well, one year, the local yahoos got all drunk up, got on their four-wheelers, and ran through the campground and through people's tents and put cigarettes out on the backs of some of the girls there. And the general consensus was, oh, but we can't, we shouldn't file charges, we can't do anything about that because we're peaceful people. You know, to that I say bullshit. Yeah. Now, now you know, we, we've been harmed and we should do something about this. Mm -hmm. But you know, then again, I'm a police officer's child. Yeah. You know, and, and I grew up a little differently than, than some of them did. So, you know, when you allow somebody to harm you, you've already broken the harm none law because you are part of it. Yeah. As I, this had been coming for a long time, and um, what had happened was I had finally gotten extremely angry because someone um, screwed me out some money. Yeah. And I decided it was time. And it happened to be a publishing house. So, I sat down to write the book. And if they had treated me right, they could have had it, but they didn't. And so what, what I actually did that a lot of people don't know about this book is I love a curse through the book. 
to get the money. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, this has been a big help to a lot of people because um, I didn't realize it when I wrote it. You know, folks were saying, oh, Dorothy, you are going to catch an awful lot of flack about this. And my attitude about that was, you know, I'm too old to worry about it, so be it. Mm-hmm. But the information needs to, to be there. People need to learn to defend themselves. And, you know, you know, this one and that one worried about karma. And my, my feeling on that is if you found yourself in the car with a serial killer with no way out, would you give a damn if, how that person felt in his skin? I don't think so. The only thing on your mind would be, you know, getting away and incapacitating him enough not to hurt you again. So, you know, then, does the harm lock, none lock come in as far as he's concerned? Well, you know, people might say, yeah, but I don't think if they were in that situation, it would matter. And, you know, you have to be able to, you know, defend yourself. So, you know, that, that was the impetus for, for the whole thing. And believe it or not, it's been a very successful book. <laughs> you know, I get emails yeah. all the time going, wow, Dorothy, thank you. You know, some, mm-hmm. you know, somebody needed to write this, we needed this information, and, you know, we need to learn to stand up for ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, and that's true, Adam, because... When you walk into a room, you want to be the most important person in that room. Not because you're better than anybody else, but because you are the only you there is. You are the only you you have. And you are the only person for whom you are responsible. Hmm. Now, you may be responsible to other people, but not for other people. So, you know, and if that is the case, then you need to defend that person you are. Yeah. And don't let anything happen to you. So, you know, yeah, I think it was time. And I think a lot of people have felt this way a long time. They just were afraid to say so. Yeah. I, um, in our own tradition, uh, the, one of the three rays, the blue ray, um, embodies love, Mm -hmm. but not love that's personal. It's the love of the divine. Mm -hmm. And, um... I, when doing the invocation, I usually say that it is compassion, but it's also dark compassion. Sure. Like the lessons that need to be taught and yes. the um, things that people need to know. Sometimes, you know, that serial killer, the best and most loving thing you can do to him is to incapacitate him and get away from him. Exactly. And you know, the other thing is, you know, if people truly believe that the divine lives within us, if you allow somebody to harm you, well, geez, you've just allowed them to slap the divine. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that, that's a big pill to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, you uh, must think that curses, uh, curses are ethical. Um, in what instances do you think that they're ethical <laughs> for use? You know, I, I think they're not always ethical. Yeah. I think you need to examine the situation. Okay. Does the person really need to be cursed? You know, one of my favorite things is, is it a hex or is it Memorex? (laughs) (laughs) Did you do this to yourself? Yeah. You need to be careful. Because it's quite, you know, we hex ourselves, sabotage ourselves all the time. And if you toss out a hex to whoever did it, now you're going to get this back in spades again. Yeah. Um, You know, a lot of times we... um, we work magic for something. Mm-hmm. We don't get what we envision. Nothing seems to work. Things seem to go to hell in a handbasket. And it's because we have not done the mundane offering. Okay? Um, 
Sometimes we lack self-confidence. And we start out real good, and then we pick ourselves apart until we feel like we're worthless. Well, you know what? We have just screwed ourselves. Um, you know, I would say that if someone, uh, let's say one of your coworkers, um, caused you to lose your job. Yeah. Or this is the way you see it. Mm -hmm. Does he need to be cursed or hexed? Maybe, maybe not. Were you really doing your job? Were you working to your full capacity? Or were you just doing enough to get by? Hmm. Okay? Maybe what he did really didn't cause you to lose your job. Maybe it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe you were already on your way out. However, if that same employee keeps you from getting another job... Yes. Or... Um, keeps you from getting another job unless you do this, this, and this for them, mm -hmm. okay? Then, you know, maybe you need to stop them. Yeah. So, you know, I'm very careful about, you know, throwing out a hex or a curse. Sometimes it has taken me several years to decide to do it. Yeah. Because I'm, I have to know I'm right. Mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to feel that, that I am justified. But then once I feel I'm justified, I do it and I never look back. I own it. Yeah. And so I don't think it's the right solution for everybody. I think if you can um, take responsibility for it, good enough. The rule of thumb, I think, should be that you don't do anything in the magical realm you wouldn't do in the physical realm. I'm not likely to walk over to you and slap you for no good reason. But by the same token, I'm not going to I'm not going to pussyfoot around and sneak around and slap you magically either. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like to hide behind magic. So, you know, if I, if I do something magically, it's something that, yes, I would do mundanely if I could get the same effect. Yeah. I, uh, I had an instance where um, my supervisor at the time was not doing what um, she should have been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had thought that it was this someone else because she was just that crafty. Mm -hmm. And I meditated on it, and my guides were <laughs> said that you need to cast this spell on that person, and it was to may your thoughts, words, or deeds be in harm to me in any way. May they reflect back at you, you know. Mm -hmm. And it and it was, I would think, a curse because mm -hmm. she did do some skeevy things and instantly she had been laterally moved <laughs> to another <laughs> to where she wasn't my supervisor then all of her back story and stuff she had a uh, CYA uh, file cover your ass uh, where she'd written down uh, things that weren't really true about all of my coworkers, uh -huh. and uh, that she was going to use if you know they became a problem and uh, she was investigated and all of that. And I have to say, part of my inspiration was your book. Well, thank you. You know, one of my very favorite curses, mm -hmm. which I think is fair in any situation, is this. May you be forced to eat from the same plate as that from which you serve your guests. Mm. So, if they've not done anything, yeah, they don't get it. So it's got a back door in it. But if they have 
they are going to catch hell. Yeah. And that's good. It is good. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your Wicked Witch studio and what people can find in your online store. Oh, my God. I love Wicked Witch Studios. <laughs> um, yes, it's my fairly new business venture. Um, you can find it at wickedwitchstudios.com. Uh, I do... Um, I'm doing the second uh, limited edition series of 100 altar cloths, all of which are different. Um, I uh, make uh, handbags and tote bags and tarot bags and um, oh, mouse pads and mugs. I also have my own line of coffee, Wicked Witch Mojo Beans, which, which, which can be found there. Um, Dixie Dolls. Dixie Dolls are very, very fun. They are made out of um, rawhide. They're for your dog. They're made out of healthy hide that has vitamin E in it, so it's good for their coats. And they are little. Um, they look like little voodoo dolls. <laughs> and, and they have little eyes and a little mouth and a little heart marked on them in, uh, with non-toxic Sharpies. Mm -hmm. So, because Sharpies are permanent, but it's non-toxic, it's not going to hurt your dog, but it's, this stuff is not also going to get wet and rub off on your upholstery and stain your carpet. Yeah. So, it's great stuff. Um, Damien, uh, a, a friend of mine, bought one for her dog here at, at the show, and she said that normally Sam will give her anything if she says release. And this particular thing, she wanted him to release it so she could see how much of it he'd eaten. She said, release. He looked at her like she had lost her mind and went away with it. And then put, <laughs> put his both paws around and tried to shove the whole thing in, in his back. But I said, uh-huh. He knew Aunt Dorothy fixed that for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so anyway, just just a lot of, of fun, handcrafted stuff. And, you know, it's, the, the items you'll find there really are for the discriminating witch. I got really, really sick of tacky, magical accoutrements. Yeah. For high prices. You mm -hmm. know, and I'm not going to use anything that's tacky. If it's tacky, how can that put you in a magical mood? It can't. So, these are reasonably priced items that are for the elegant witch with discriminating taste. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, so, you're also a contributor of articles to the Hoodoo and Conjure Quarterly. Uh, what got you into Hoodoo and Conjure? You know, I I have always been, um, oh, you, you know, the Georgians. At one point, when I was when I was a baby witch, mm -hmm. used to call me the outlaw witch. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh, you think that's funny, don't you? Well, yes. <laughs> um, because I really did um, study a lot of stuff, and I um, I would use what worked for me and, and tossed out the rest. But, you know, when I was a baby witch, they said, oh, don't practice magic. But, you know, that's like telling teenagers them not to have sex. Mm. You, you may as well <laughs> give them a drawer full of condoms and say double love and get on with it because they're going to do this. Well, you know, that's how baby witches are, too. Mm -hmm. You tell them, no, no magic, that's the first thing they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I, I always had something going. I did all kinds of magic. And I made all kinds of boo-boos. Yeah. And that, that's okay. That's how you learn. Well, it is because... Because since I wasn't supposed to be doing magic, I couldn't tell them I'd done it and needed help fixing it. <laughs> That's you know, because, true. <laughs> because back then, even then, I would own what, you know, what I did, but I didn't have to tell what I did. Just, <laughs> I, if I was being true to myself, we were okay. So, there were messes that I learned to clean up. 
One of them took me 16 years to, to, to completely clean up. Wow. And so for people who say to me, I'm so afraid of making a mistake, it's like, honey, the only people who don't make mistakes are people who aren't doing anything. Make the mistakes and learn from them. Yeah. Well, the, I while I was making mistakes and practicing magic, I studied lots of stuff. I did study some, some hoodoo and conjure and discovered that I really liked it. I like mojo because it's very simple. Mm -hmm. You you um, set the atmosphere with incense. You you anoint your candle. You know in your mind's eye. You you decide how it's going to happen. You see it. You light the candle. It's done. You're through, mm -hmm. and it does work. Yeah. And I've always been a fly by the seat of my pants practitioner. Usually by the time people get, get ready to work some kind of, of magical effort, they needed the result yesterday. Yeah. Because they're, they're lazy about it. And this is quick. Normally, I can find everything I need in my kitchen already. Yeah. So, um, and, and just so your listeners know, if you've got ceremonial magicians out there, mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for you folks. <laughs> and, you know, and, and those of you who check the date and the time, and the hour, and the minute, good for you, and I know it works, and it works fabulously. Mm -hmm. But I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, so it's not, it's not my shtick. So, yeah, I, um, this is how, how I kind of got involved in this quarterly. And uh, it was really funny. I was utterly wicked is actually what, what brought the request to me. I got a, a, a note from, from Denise Alvarado, who, who is the editor. Mm -hmm. And she went, oh, Dorothy, you know, could you do something for us? And I said, ah, you know, not only could I do something for you, I can write, you know, I can do a regular thing for you. And so they were all tickled. So I'm, I'm thrilled with that. And we're waiting for the first issue to come out, and we'll see what happens. Well, sounds awesome. We can't wait. Um, so how do Hoodoo and Conjure differ from the work that you do as a witch, or do they? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> See, now you're sorry that you asked me to do this podcast. Oh aren't no, you? no, I'm not. I'm not sorry at all. Uh, um, you know, there are there are witches who say, "Oh, you know, it's completely different." Mm -hmm. And there are and there are conjure people who who think. That, that witches don't have any sense and don't have any business, you mm -hmm. know, in magic. And there, most, a good number of hoodooers and conjure people really are spiritists and they do call the spirits. And mm -hmm. they do a lot of things that you don't find um, the majority of witches doing, okay? They do cleansing, say, with head washings and foot washings and so mm -hmm. on and so forth, and, and call spirits down and cast spirits out and, and this kind of thing, which is, if you've never seen this done, this is not only fascinating, it's absolutely empowering. Yeah. It's fabulous. You will also find that a good number of your conjure people are Christians. Yeah. Now, a good number of your witches are pagans. Now, not all. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, this it's kind of an interesting thing. And I have taken some some flack over some of my um, hoodoo recipes. For example, my, my war water recipe, somebody said, ah, no, no conjure person in their right mind would do that without iron filings. 
Mm -hmm. But you know what? Conjure and magic. It's all conjure. Yes. You know, when I cast mm -hmm. a circle, I conjure thee a circle of power. Okay? Yeah. I mean, it's all conjure. And I think this is another one of those things where it truly is semantics. Everybody has their own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So it's all magic. I, you know, I'll pass lead to the center. And I don't care if this is religion or if it's magic or what it is. They all lead to the center. We're all doing the, the same thing. We just ha have different avenues we're taking to, to get to what's being manifested. And um, so so it's still, you know, a yes and no. Well, Do you like the way I talked in circles with that one? Yes, I did like that. <laughs> I, I liked how it all went right to the center. <laughs> so um, you, you also uh, published... A novel um, called Lucinda's Web. Do you have any future novels in the works? You know, people, it, it's really funny. Um, people always ask me if I'm going to do a sequel to that. And um, I, I started doing a sequel to it. And it's a, there are about a hundred pages written. Mm -hmm. And then um, the book business yeah. kind of, you know, plummeted. And so, and it's, and it's not just pagan books or just fiction works. It's across the board, all, all the genres. Because yeah. right now the economy is not the best. And so people are cutting back. They're cutting fringe. Mm -hmm. And books are fringe. Yeah. So I decided I had, there were other things, other opportunities cropped up. And I decided to just kind of wait and see. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe not. But... I, uh, there is a book that I do want to write, and it's partially done, and I would say in the next two to three years, I will probably get it done. I am working on something called The Ultimate Formulary, hmm. and it actually may be the last book I ever write. Well, I don't curse you with that. <laughs> well, you, know, <laughs> you never it, know. This is, this is one of those, those books that will probably take two volumes, Yeah. and it will have to come out at once because it's going to be very thick, because it's like, here's everything I know. Now, there it is. Wow. Have fun. Yeah. Wow, that's going to be a big book. Well, uh, <laughs> you know what? You're being very generous. <laughs> now, um, you attended the traditional folk magic conference for fun. What was it like? Oh, my God, it was fabulous. Uh, that festival, it was the first year for it, and I'm actually going to go back this year. Um, that uh, festival is put on by five people. Mm -hmm. uh, Orion Foxwood, Star Cassis, uh, Susan Diamond, oh gosh, and another Susan, and Cindy Tudo, and I can't, uh, Susan Aslan. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I kind of remembered, okay, her last name. Um, it was amazing, amazing. It's, um, it's in New Orleans, this, uh, it's held in this big townhouse. Mm-hmm. And the hotels are, are right by it, so people can just, you know, walk out of the room and, you know, and, and come over to, to different stuff. Um, there were also some classes given by Bloody Mary. Um, mm -hmm. One of the neatest classes that I went to was one given by Star Cassis, and it was a cleansing class. And she started out with a traditional egg cleansing, where you uh, take the egg, an uncooked egg, but, yeah. you know, still in the shell, and you wash it with cold water, and so on and so forth. And she um, had us, she turned her back, 
and she had us count ourselves off silently. Yeah. From 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 this way, you know, so so that everybody had their own number. Yeah. And she called a number. And it turned out that that person really needed this cleansing. So she demonstrated this formal cleansing with this egg and the candles and, and the cross and the whole nine yards. And that was fascinating. But then she taught us about other cleansings. Mm -hmm. And I got to use a, and we, we demonstrated them on somebody. We picked a partner, somebody we didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I got to use a chicken foot. <laughs> and this is fabulous because what you do is you get really close to the R and you scratch it. And you scratch all the shit out of it. Hmm. And she taught us how to do it with scissors. Just plain old dollar store scissors. And the other thing that, that she taught us were some really neat ways like to protect our homes. Mm -hmm. A pair of scissors. Yeah. You open them, points up. You hang them over the door. That, that repels thieves. Anybody that wants to do you harm. Drama. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, and, and for, for people who have teenagers that have all that eye rolling shit going on mm -hmm. every time you, you know, you ask them to do something, make sure you hang those scissors on the door while they're out. So that when they come in, because you don't want to seal the stuff in, when they come in, it's gone. It's cut out. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that was really a neat class. Um, there was also a really cool class that Orion did mm -hmm. that was, um, he talked about the uh, man at the crossroads. Yeah. The black man at the, cro at the crossroads. And at the end of this, he had a bunch of antique skeleton case. And everybody had to throw a penny in, in or throw three cents in the pile or whatever. And so at the end of this thing, everything got, got blessed. And you closed your eyes and you reached over and you grabbed a skeleton key. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you took three cents out, out of the pile. And you went to a crossroads. And you put your three cents down for the math crossroads. And it asked, asked for the, the blessing. So... Jackie and Patty of Coming Through Creations went to the festival with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we learned, we've been friends for a long time, but we learned we really liked each other because three women spent four days in one hotel room. Mm -hmm. And we still liked each other at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> and usually one house isn't big enough for two women, so, you know, we did good. But they, they went a little further than I did. <coughs> Excuse me. And they got to this crossroads in, this, in the suburbs, kind of. And... Um, they, they got ready to walk out in the middle of the street and put down these pennies. And here comes this guy on the bicycle. It's this black man. He's got on a black uniform of some kind. He's on a black bicycle. And so this was, this was really funny <laughs> because they had never been to New Orleans. And, mm -hmm. of course, they both live in Michigan. And so I'm teaching them about Southern courtesy. And when you see somebody in the South, you speak to them on the street, stranger enough. Hello, how are you? So, Jackie says to this guy, he's passing, hello, how are you? He says, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I am truly blessed. And off he goes. <laughs> and so, they put their pennies down. Because they had just met, met the black man at the crossroads. And so I told her, Ryan, the next day, I said, honey, you think that the, that the man at the crossroads rides a horse, but I'm here to tell you he rides a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing, amazing weekend. 
And so if any, you know, they're going to have it, I think it's Veterans Day weekend this year. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, I'm pretty sure it's the traditional funkmagicfestival.com. So, so, so check it out. That sounds cool. Um, you've also done some charity work for New Orleans area. Can you uh, tell us about that? Oh, you know, I, I really should have looked at that and told you to scratch that. But, oh, but, okay. Well, because, you know, I, I have. You know, yeah. Mr. Sellers and, and I went after Katrina, and we had planned to really do some stuff like sling some hammers and, and yeah. so on and so forth. And we weren't able to do that because uh-huh. at that point, FEMA had her hands tied. They were um, they were working areas in, in they weren't working in grids really, and, yeah. and they should have. I mean, this is one of those shoulda, woulda, coulda things mm-hmm. that I guess doesn't matter much anymore, but. Uh, it took eight signatures to sign off a claim, and so we couldn't, until everything was signed off, we couldn't even do so much as chop up a tree that had fallen in somebody's yard, or they wouldn't get any of the money. Oh. So, we had 10 days. And so what we did was we went to Plan B, and we decided we would clean up the cemeteries. Because the cemetery tours bring a lot of revenue into the city. Yeah. And they were damn near impassable. And there were some... Uh, of, of the tombs that um, had been old and there were bones that needed to be reburied and all this kind of stuff and weeds and debris and all that. So, so we did that. And, you know, we, we did catch some flack from people over that because the, I don't think they understood. Yeah. They, you know, it's like, why are you helping the dead? When the living are right here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but they did not understand mm-hmm. that we were actually trying to help the living and we were yeah. doing what we could do. Um there, there's some other things that I have done for for the people in the city of New Orleans, but I uh, I just assume not talk about that. You know, sometimes I think you need to do things for the right reason, not yeah. because you get publicity out. Mm-hmm. And I and I hope that if you know that that, that when I go, <laughs> when yeah. I'm gone mm-hmm. this time, <clears throat> I hope that that's what people will say about me. Is that you know what? She, she did things just because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Because I think that's probably the nicest thing you can say about somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so, my last question is, in the Temple of Witchcraft, we often refer to the great work of witchcraft as finding and doing your true will and shaping your soul. Uh, what do you feel is your great work or magnum opus? Oh my! Um, you know, I, I I'm gonna do this in real simple terms. I think I think that that my great work mm-hmm. is simply being the best possible person I can be every day. And I and I think that's magic in and of itself. And that and that changes day to day because every day is different. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that wasn't the answer you were thinking I was gonna give you, but. That, but that, that's what you got, darling. <laughs> well, I think it's great. Well, we're here at Convocation, and, you know, this is the star card year, and being the shining star that you are, um, to everyone out there is probably a very good, great work. Well, I, I hope I am worthy of that description. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, darling. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so we're going to say goodbye to our listeners. 
Bye, listeners. Bye, listeners. Have a bright evening. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our interview with Dorothy and, uh, you know, keep looking to the podcast for, um, we're going to do some more interviews with different authors and, um, pagan personalities. And we'll also have some podcasts that are with our ministers. And, um, I may throw in an officious podcast every once in a while, um, I know that people are who actually know astrology are laughing at me right now, but um, we're going to you know throw those in for ones that don't fit into my uh, twelve little places on the zodiac. Um, so I know Fuchsius you know comes between Scorpio and Sagittarius somewhere when uh, in the stars, but I think he's just going to jump around. And uh, whenever I want to do a special podcast, I'll throw him in there. Um, but to those who um, are wondering about the whole Ophusius thing, um, the astrology that we use right now is built from the four dates of the solar um uh, equinoxes and solstices. So, um, you'll notice that, like, if you section up the zodiac, there's always an equinox, a solstice. Those are end and beginning points, and those are used to section out the times and energies that we use in astrology. So, when you add fuchsius, um, it throws everything off of that solar schedule. Um, he isn't used in astrology because astrology that we use in the West is not based around the stars. It's more based around where the planet, where our Earth is and the cycle of the sun. So, um, just so that you knew, you know, so you could be like, I'm sorry, but... That's not even, astrology is not even based on the stars, and you didn't even know that. So, um, we do use the names of the certain zodiacal points throughout the year. So, but we're using the sun instead of the stars. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Um, but I'll be throwing a few, a few shiz podcasts at you. Um, I did get one request for a Founders um, podcast where all three founders get together and talk about um, a little more of our stuff. And I will probably be posting on Facebook um, to get questions for that podcast when it comes around. And uh, hopefully, if you have any questions that you would like on that podcast, you can email me at virgo at templeofwitchcraft.org. And I will definitely try to put them all on there. If you have any questions for the three founders, uh, please give us a little email. Um, or, you know, message me on Facebook. Either way, we'll work. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Now I'll start with our devocation and our uh, partings. We thank the Great Spirit and the two who move as one. We thank the three rays of love, will, and wisdom 
We thank the God and Goddess who move through us and work with us. May we recognize their presence in our lives. Blessed be. Mary meet, Mary part, and Mary be, meet again. Blessed be, everyone. You've been listening to Voices of the Temple. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2010 of the Temple of Witchcraft. For more information, please visit templeofwitchcraft.org. Thank you.